Hello, this old marketing. This is not Robert Rose. This is Joe Polizzi, and welcome to this week's show. As often happens, our worlds get a bit crazy at this time with Content Marketing World next week, so we're bringing back a best of episode, and this one is from December of 2020, where the incomparable Jay Akunzo interviews the both of us on what makes this old marketing go. Why this one, you ask? Well, we heard more wonderful comments from you listeners about this show than most others. And plus, Jay is just amazing in this one, so why not? If this is your first time, great. If this is a re-listen, it will be worth it. Stay tuned for next week when we run through our Content Marketing World presentations with critique from each of us as well. Until then, remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. I've always wanted to do that. See you next time on This Old Marketing. For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello again, my friends. As you now know, this is Jay Akunzo, and welcome to episode 252, kind of. Might be 252. It's definitely a bonus type episode. I'll leave the the powers that be to decide of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on Wednesday, December 16th, 2020. And with me, as always, you know him, you love him. You've never heard him quite like you're going to hear him today. The two chuckleheads that I consider the Statler and Waldorf of the Muppets Christmas Carol that is the marketing industry in Q4, Joe Polizzi and Robert Rose. How are you, my friends? Oh my goodness. See here, now I'm worried for my job um, because that was brilliant. That, that opening was absolutely brilliant. And I'm afraid Joe in his ever capricious way will now fire me um, and, and, and replace me with you, which I think was probably your design all along in this, which if we're completely honest. Well, here. first of all, Robert, you said you had a job and that threw me for a loop. So when this <laughs> yes. Well, it has been a year. It has been, <laughs> it has been a year um, for sure. Yes. I, you know, I am short a job at the moment. So if anybody is, you know, hiring, um, please do let me know. What the heck are we doing here, Mr. Akunzo? How did all of this come about? <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I have spent many years making shows primarily for brands, uh, primarily in podcasts, although I've done some, some documentary now, which is really cool because I get to do my uh, my best impression of my storytelling hero, which is Anthony Bourdain, which me giving an impression of Anthony Bourdain is the worst impression of my storytelling hero, Anthony Bourdain, but still, I'm, I'm trying. So I've been making shows and teaching shows lately. And um, I think two months ago, Robert, you came into one of my online workshops for podcasters. And the whole point is for me to essentially let people hear a voice other than my own to talk about the process of making great shows. And you broke down how this show how this old marketing is made. And I thought, this is amazing. And every time I've ever done a show and did a behind the scenes episode for my own listeners, people loved it. So I said to you, well, why don't I just send you the recording of that? And your listeners can hear how this show goes down behind the scenes. And I was like, by the way, it'd be cool. I could happily talk to you and Joe because we don't get to catch up in person as we normally do this year. And we could do an original, but that's like a higher ask. And I know how, how hard it is to get Joe to do like actual anything, stuff. yeah, pretty much <laughs> for any purpose at all. Yeah. So there's that, and you were like, "Yeah, let's do that. Let's torture Joe for a little bit." Yeah, so here we are, exactly. 
that well, was I just the entire it was, motivation behind it. Yeah, it was wonderful. You know, I, I listened to the podcast that uh, you two put together and I was like, Thanks. well, it's so wonderful. We're doing a behind the scenes of this old marketing and I'm not invited. <laughs> that was just, it was, you know, well, I, there's I a reason for that. And, you know, there was a tear. Uh, but I, I got to be honest. I'll come clean, Joe. So <laughs> I, I, I had Robert come to my workshop students. Were that the only place in private where people would see the performance? I would have invited you too. But I also wanted to syndicate the recording to my podcast called Three Clips. And the, the tag of Three Clips, like its existence, is for podcasters taking us inside their best work. So I want that show to be um, good. <laughs> so I asked Robert. It was, it was good. I'm, I'm glad. Yes. And, and most people know I'm not needed. I'm just, yeah. you know, I'm Robert does all the work on the show and I'm just, you know, I'm just around for color commentary. Well, that is I'm not like true, the Tony Romo of podcasts. There it is. Oof. There it is. Oof. You are the Baker Mayfield of podcasts. Really? If you, if you, uh, if, if you go, if, well, if you, if you, well, anyway, we'll get off on a football. You would, yeah. You, you would love to have Baker Mayfield right now. That's that, for sure. Yes, I would. You I would, would take, like to have yeah. any kind of semblance of a team right about now. Yeah. You uh, would take Troy Aikman today's Troy Aikman. Of course. I would take 1989 Troy Aikman right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to interrupt here. On behalf of everybody listening who has always thought this, but never had the chance to say it out loud. Let's stop talking about your friggin' football teams for oh, two sets. No, I'm just kidding. I actually <laughs> like that section. I do. I'll admit, I like it. Sorry, fans. There are enjoy. no, there are quite a few of our international listeners that hate that. Yeah. And well, we, they just don't understand it. They just don't, I mean, they don't have any context for it. And they've asked us to take it out, and we've we've politely said no. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> we, we don't we like we really don't care if people no. listen. We don't really, I mean, we want listeners. Is it that important? <laughs> We're just talking. Well, I think Jay said it very well when he said, you know, I mean, that's really the origin story of this show is that it was, you know, we've told this story a number of times that it was you and I catching up and it was an excuse, quite frankly, for you and I to catch up because of our then travel schedules and and the challenges therein. And and it was a it was a good excuse, a forced meeting basically every week for us to, you know, to get together and, and catch up on stuff. And so I don't know what's going to be one part of that. I don't know what feels more 2020. The fact that uh, this show has a different voice than you two coming on the show or that the Browns are actually a winning football team. It's all a messed up universe, my friend. It's it, we are in the upside down. I'm waiting for the Gorgon to basically come in and and take care of us all because it is very weird. <laughs> well, two two points. I watched the Monday night game between the Ravens and the Browns, and of course the Browns lost 47-42. But one of the maybe the greatest Browns game I've seen it was an amazing in football 30 game. years. Amazing football yeah, game. It was an amazing football game. And the other thing that sort of makes I know I'm glad we're doing this, but I'm a little sad is Robert, whenever you get a request. For, for somebody to be on the show, you always say, we don't have people on the show. That's right. Well, now you can't say that because Ooh, you're starting hot. The, we, it's like, we, we can only have people that have the name Jay on the show. We can only have Italians on the show. Like, what, what are you going to say? I'm going to say, look at, the, look at the one episode that we've had a guest on and when it was, and it'll pretty much answer your question. Okay. Oh, 2020. Wow. It, is, it is everything about 2020. 
It I is a good way honored. to end up. Yeah, it is a good way to the end of the year. Yeah, I feel I mean, honored. You, know, you had your very scared. special blossom where her parents got divorced. <laughs> and then you had your very special episode of, of this old marketing. It is. It's like the say by the bell where, uh, where is it? Jesse gets, she's on drugs and she's, isn't that the one? That's right. Yeah. It's, That's it's the one. that it's, it's this your very is, special episode of this. This old is marketing. like drunk on drugs. That's saved correct. by the bell. That is correct. That is Jay Akunzo to this old marketing. That is your SAT <laughs> comparison. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I've done 600 podcast episodes in my career, something like that. And I can say, with certainty that this is at least in the 500s, just in the ranking of all of them. <laughs> That's this very good. That's very good. Up. Well, okay. It's good to be on ranked. that note. Yeah. Where where are we going with this thing, Mr. Akunzo? This is this is your show. You have hijacked it. What um, you know, what are we doing today? So I think the way I want to come at this is to break down this show like I would break down any show, which is there's four key things you develop when you're trying to develop an original series podcast, video, doesn't matter. There's the premise. So that's the big idea driving the whole show, fueling every choice, all the marketing, et cetera. The format. So the experience inside the episodes and how that is structured. The talent. I'll use that term loosely on <laughs> show. Sure uh, uh, the talent. I'm just on behalf of all listeners who have just wanted to step into the ring with you two and just just connect a couple times to the chest. I'm just thankful for this opportunity on their behalf. So, uh, cause you all snark at each other and now it's like, let's get both of them together guys. That's what I'm saying here. <laughs> so the premise, the format, the talent, and then the community that forms around it. So mm. I, I want to go into the process and thinking around those four things. And then I can't in good conscience hijack your show without leaving in the crown jewel of it all, which is rants and raves. Ah. So we have a rants and raved Rants and Rave section remixed for the purposes of the behind the scenes. So we'll get there soon. Excellent. I love it. The empirically proven favorite part of the show. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Yes. All right. (laughs) Let's let's go to the premise. Yeah. Uh, In your words, start with Joe. You bump into someone on the street. They're in the industry. They're they're a potential listener. It's not, you know, somebody who has no interest in these topics. They're a potential listener. You're just having a casual chat. Um, post-pandemic, of course, and they say, hey, oh, I heard you host a podcast. So what's the show about? What is that quick little overture to them that would delight them and cause them to want to sample this? Because there's a version of that explanation that is paragraphs and paragraphs of lots and lots of topics that sound like a lot of other shows. And you say, no, we have an original here. So what makes this show original? What's your quick explanation of the premise of this podcast? There's so many places I could go with that, Jay. Uh, I think the most, probably the most useful one, if we are approaching somebody that's in the content marketing industry, we're like, you know, we're two guys talking about the state of content marketing news. It's a news weekly show. It, it was always built to be that way. And even, I mean, you might not, not even remember this, but back in shoot 2011, we tried our hand at covering the news of content marketing. And that's when I found out when you actually cover news and do it the right way, it's really expensive and really hard to do. Well, as more in 2013, when this podcast, this whole marketing was started, you started to get coverage on content marketing. And then we, we started to see media companies doing different things. And we started to see brands actually experimenting with own marketing and building audiences and the Red Bulls of the world doing their thing. And there wasn't anyone covering this on a regular basis, just from outside of your regular content curation use, uselessness that we saw out there. But like, well, wouldn't it be great if we just came on and discussed it? And I think that in 
uh, Robert mentioned this on your show. What's interesting is Robert has this deep background in marketing and agency life and starting from the beginning of the dot-com boom as it was. And I grew up in media and publishing. So we come at it from really two different sides of it. And always, I always appreciate his take because I usually don't think of some of the things he does. And of course, I'm coming at it from the publishing side. And what's that's content marketing. You know, it's, that's, that's what we believe is marketing today. You know, mar- media is marketing. So we get to talk about it this way and, and just cover everyone else's coverage of it. And we sort of take it to the woodshed. Robert, rather than just echo Joe's description, I'm curious to know, you know, right now it feels like, especially in business niches, I think this applies across the board, but if you're creating a business or business adjacent type show, it's really important that you have a really crisp and focused premise, a theme, one big idea, kind of like you're developing IP and the IP could extend to the best-selling book someday or the newsletter or the event series. This show feels like it does capture a lot of a lot. You know, I, I know you have that kind of wrapper around it, which is the the topics around the industry or the industry we call home. Um, do you think if you started the show today, you would have to niche down even further? Or what makes the show successful given that it does cover a pretty broad array of things? Yeah, I, well, I think... I think what makes the show unique is exactly what Joe just said, which is the unique perspectives that we each bring to a singular news story. And what makes the show unique is then it's the four or five things about each week that you need to care about, right? Because we take the time to curate the news in a way that most people simply just don't have time to do or, 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 you know, or won't do. Um, it's actually, you know, we talked a little bit about it on our, on our time together, which is I, probably the the you know we're we're now evolved with the muscle now that we sort of do it in real time like anytime i come across something interesting it's like that's a show item right that's a show item and so we have this sort of shared notebook that we that we what that we use to 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 pull and curate the news but assembling out of the 15 or 20 news items that each of us will bring and curating that into a cohesive perspective that actually is themed and actually has you know relationship to each other. I think is the uniqueness uh, of the uh, of the you know of the hour that you spend with us. I think to the heart of your question, it's there are sort of two levers that we we find you can pull. One is you can niche down into the topic. In other words, you can get really really geeky and niche about a particular topic, or you can get really really niche into an audience. In other words, so you can pick a very small audience and talk about a very broad topic that's relevant to that very small audience, or you can pick a very niche topic and 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 speak to it from the the context of um, you know a broad or a very niche topic, right? So it's a niche topic to a broad audience or a a niche audience with a broad topic, and I think you pick which which one, right? Now you can go, you can do both, right? You can do a niche topic to a niche audience, but then. You're kind of minimizing the the size of your audience that you can have, or you can do the opposite, of course, and go broad and and go broad and not really be differentiated, right? And so, yeah. I think those two levers are the ones that you can pull if you're starting a new podcast today. Um, and it's the you know it's where we you know ours is a pretty broad audience, but a you know a a pretty niche topic that we focus on, which is of course the convergence of media and marketing. Right. And and when you came, when you did the live episode with me for three clips, we talked about, uh, I think that the sum up of that very cogent point was 
where's your run on sentence going to be? Are you going to describe yeah, my, that the sentence audience? I just said was probably the most run on sentence in the history of run on sentence. <laughs> it's the Robert You were teaching sentence. the meta, the meta <laughs> lesson, Robert. The way you teach also matches what you're teaching. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Uh, so I'm going to use a run on sentence to describe this idea of crafting your run on sentence. Yeah. But it's like, do you want the run on sentence to be, we are focused on this audience and we're describing them with all these adjectives till you arrive at that exact crowd. So in the, you know, Kevin Kelly founder of Wired term. It's the thousand true fans, so to speak, or the Seth Godin smallest possible audience. Yep. So that's the run on sentence or the the topics, the terrain you cover, the hook, all of that stuff. The, the premise really is you know, itself a little bit of a run on sentence. But what's interesting is when your topics, when your theme, when your premise is a run on sentence, it, you know, in your words, it's niche. Um, the audience ends up being pretty focused too. Like it's really, really difficult to have a, you know, a show that iHeartRadio wants to buy that sell a lot of broad, big ads for um, when you have a very niche topic, right? They want the celebrity talking about just general stuff. So yeah. either way, whether your run, run on sentence is the topic or the description you have of the audience, you end up with a very focused community, which I think is a superpower. Does that make yeah. sense? It does. I think, you know, Maybe said even simpler, it's what I find, and, and this is just observing my own behavior and in, in, in the things that I resonate with. I go for the content, right? I come for the content and the and the topic and the niche and the you know and the theoretical, you know, promised learning or entertainment, but I stay because I resonate with the personality of the person giving me the information, right? So in other words, if I look at a show like Galloway show, Professor Galloway show. And it's the same information delivered by a dry professor, you know, but who's telling me to buy low and sell high. And here's what the trends in econ economics are. I don't care that much. I probably sign up for both shows, but I stay with Galloway because of the way he delivers it. And I resonate with that personality. And I think in many ways, the audience we've built, they came for learning on content marketing or they subscribe for learning on content marketing and the trends and the pieces in that in that industry but they stay because of our the, our perspectives on it right and i think to your point the premise when you craft it and articulate it well you know you you're the one who always says it's your story tell it well well the, the premise is the story of your show more or less where is That's this right. heading exactly. why does this exist like i i call it the story of what could be yep. which is what prompts subscription that's the premise so in all the premise yeah yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. it's this is where we're heading, folks. Yeah. So join this journey, subscribe. Right. And I think when this particular journey, when this old marketing started, I will be so bold as to say it started in a very dangerous place for most people to start, but it worked for you too. So Joe, this one's for you. I know when it started, I think Robert told the story on on three clips about how it was about uh I think Robert said an hour long conversation when you were driving to a speaking gig in Palm Springs, just chit chatting about the news and the industry. And you had this thought together, like this should be a podcast, which is in some ways that cliche idea of like two friends talking, one of whom goes, this should be a podcast. And the other's like immediately, this should totally be a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to the most awkward attempt at making a show ever that dies after six right. episodes we're in 252 ish you've done so many it justifies a behind the scenes because people actually want to know what goes on behind the scenes why did this work for you two when it failed for so many others joe i honestly it's the interaction between robert and i and we have the same conversations <laughs> by phone 
uh, Zoom, whatever we're on, that we would have on the podcast. There's really no, did we, we talk the same? It's just us doing our thing. We, I, it's funny, Robert, you, you know, we've been, we've been kind of going back in some of the archives. I went back to the first 10 episodes and I listened to some of them. There are some differences, but it's pretty much the same. It's pretty much we have the Robert does the opener. I mean, that's changed a little bit. Uh, then we go into the news and then we have the rants and raves. Uh, you know what? Seven years later, it's the same outside of a little tweak, tweak here or there or whatever. Uh, it, it works because of us and because we're friends and we get each other. And I know what when he's saying something but means something else, I know exactly where he's going. And um, I don't think a lot. I think if you don't have that kind of relationship, it would be difficult. It would be tough for me. I don't know if I could do this with somebody else on a regular basis unless I really knew them first. So I don't think you, I get you and we we've seen, even in our industry, we've seen somebody that had a podcast with, with somebody else. And then they, you know, that other one wants to leave and you bring somebody else in and it's just, it's just not the same anymore. It's hard to replicate that. So L- if I end listeners. up healing, if I end up dying, <laughs> I'm sure Robert will want another co-host, but <laughs> it's gonna. It's not gonna be the same. <laughs> Listeners here, uh, I need to know that uh, we're recording this over uh, Zoom so we can see each other. And while Joe just gave that beautiful soliloquy to their friendship, Robert Rose was just bawling uncontrollably. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> did well, you take your shirt off again? <laughs> but you then. Did. But then again, I. I you know. I. I, I I cry at the Mandalorian, so pretty much, you know, it's... Oh, it's, who doesn't? I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I really just, I'm an easy baller, right? Preach, yeah. preach. Robert, I have three quick questions for you, uh, which are like the classic three questions that you would ask um, when you practice what's known as design thinking. Very simple mm. questions, yep. which is, who is it for? What's it for? How will we know when it's working? It is stunning to most people. When you two do what you do, it's not stunning to you anymore. It's not surprising to you anymore that most people, most marketers especially, don't have answers for these questions. Who is it for? What's it for? How will we know it's working? Usually the question they're asking is like, is it a thing? Cool. Is it a trending thing? Cool. We'll do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tactics, baby. All tactics. Forget the strategy. Who needs right. that? So I'm curious about the thinking behind the design of this show. Um, let's start with who's it for? It's for marketers at, in businesses that care about the convergence of media, content, and business strategy. I mean, that's that's really it. I think that's what allows you to, to take those, uh, you could call them tangents, but they are very relevant to who it, it's for. The connection to a broader business story yeah. that you always forge for marketers, for people leading businesses. It's not just, here's the latest trend in Google search. I, I, I'm always struck by that with this show. So the who's it for, I think, allows for that. How about what's it for? Like, what purpose are you hoping to serve? There's a lot of newsy things, maybe not podcasts when you started especially, but you could get news about marketing from lots of sources. So is there a unique, specific purpose? You know, I think about the word favorite here. Yeah. Like your favorite thing is not like objectively the number one thing. It's not like right. ranked highest. It's a very right. personal thing. You're saying it's it's my preferred pick for that specific purpose. Yep. So most shows, they're no one's favorite because they don't have a specific purpose. So what is this show's specific purpose? You know, I think, I mean, and I don't want to overexercise this too much because this is one of those sort of analysis things that can get into, you know, 
sort of it sounds really good, you know, if you write it down, but you're not necessarily conscious of it. So it is something that we actually talked about when I'm going to, when the answer I'm about to give you, but it isn't something that we're conscious of in every episode. If that's the, if that's the way to say this, the, 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 what's it for is really to make people understand or to encourage people to understand that the changes that are happening in the world, the changes that are happening at typically a tectonic scale have relevance to you at your pay grade and pay level. And it's, you know, it, it, one of the things that we constantly try and do, and we're sometimes overt about it and sometimes not as overt about it as I just mentioned, is how is this relevant to me, right? How is, in other words, how is, and, you know, um, one of the long running jokes, of course, in the, you know, in the, in the show is, you know, will Apple buy Disney, right? And we've had <laughs> numerous conversations about that, but that's the level that we typically talk about at the show. And so how is Apple buying Disney relevant to me as a business manager and the things that we try and imbue into the each of the analysis or each of the breakdowns of each news story is what does that really mean to me in my day-to-day work right mm-hmm. you know and how do i apply that to my day-to-day work because you're right we're not talking about well here's you know how you need to maintain 5% keyword density on your blog post so that you can rank higher in Google. We're actually talking about, you know, the trends around acquisitions of media companies by businesses, but then applying that to the manager level. Like if you're going to get acquired, this is what you need to think about. And this is what you need to think about as a business manager. If you're thinking about hiring somebody and, and you know, all of those kinds of things, I think the what's it for is to make those tectonic changes relevant to the average practitioner. Beautiful. Joe, I saw you jotting some stuff down and unless you were placing a bet on the next week's game, I, I got to <laughs> imagine there was some little nugget I got to go to there. So my, my podcast host senses are tingling. No, so it's, it's of course, the Apple versus Disney thing is, uh, is, is a running. Well, I say, I don't even know what's going to happen anymore because Disney's become so valuable for the many reasons we've talked about on the show, but it really does set the entire tone for all 250 plus episodes we've done because we're trying to show that trusted building trusted loyal audiences or valuable content brands may be the superpower asset of all businesses and that's why you know i've been going on and on for a decade saying that apple should buy disney because disney has the best content and media portfolio there is in the in the industry right now better than Netflix. And we're now seeing them do something with that with Disney Plus and why Disney stock price has gone oh, the investor to 175. What an insane flex. The investor meeting was just punch after punch to all other streaming services. All these plat all these shows underneath, you know, that we're talking about the premise in this section, develop your IP for your show. They have unstoppable IP and you're seeing all the extensions and it's pushing all these other competitors of theirs to the brink. Well, the, I, I mean, what was on the last show, Robert? You brought up about uh, Bob Dylan selling his yeah, music his for entire back catalog. Three hundred million. Bucks. Yeah. yeah, you're seeing these master flexes in in what what is your what is your IP from a content standpoint? Whether it's Robert, me, you, you know, Disney, Bob Dylan, Taylor Swift. I mean, you're seeing this happen all over the place. Now, if you are regular old marketing director, marketing assistant, uh, content specialist. I mean, you may not like your title, but you have a lot of power right now that you don't 
know about. You might right. not think you have. Right. You may be in the most critical spot in the entire organization. So our point with the whole Apple Disney thing and the whole point of the show is we need them to understand that. And yeah. that they don't just have to do the, oh, I got to do the SEO thing or I got to do the content farm thing that you're actually put on here to do God's work. So let's do it. Let's make sure you know why you're doing it. And let's change your entire mission from a career standpoint and from a company standpoint. <laughs> uh, many of us, I think the three of us included, spend a lot of time in our careers sort of rallying people against commodity content. And I think a lot of people might construe that as low quality content. Uh, that there's That's a fraught term to begin with. But I, I think the lack of IP makes it a commodity. Like people think that the the premise of their show, for example, is the topics of their show. Not so, right? It's the idea, it's the angle, it's the hook. It's the combination of topics plus a hook, what you explore plus how you explore it. So when we talk about IP, you need both of those things. And now I know you need it. Time for a sponsorship break. Be back in a bit. The sponsor of this episode of This Sold Marketing is Zapier. As I've dug into this app, I've really become a fan. Just about every app I use is integrated into Zapier, and I've started to automate things I never thought was possible. The way I handle my email newsletters, my reminders, now automated, some of my podcast workflow automated, reminders, workflows, whatever, Zapier makes it pretty simple. It took me five minutes for me to set up my first Zap, and even though I come off as being pretty technologically savvy, as you know, I'm actually not. Just ask my kids. Seriously, check it out. Go to zapier.com slash T-O-M for Tom. Try today for free. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R dot com slash T-O-M. And please use the code so they continue to sponsor this amazing podcast. Thanks. And now back to the future award-winning marketing and media podcast, This Old Marketing. Thanks for listening. Um, the last question while we're on the premise, aka the IP of this show is, how will we know if it's working? Now, this show has gone through lots of iterations and you know it was a big, big part of, uh, Joe, your, your um, focus on content marketing world for so many years and Content Marketing Institute. I want to talk about now, this current iteration. What are you looking at consistently to know that your, your episodes and the broader show are working for your goals? Well, I'll go first, Robert. Sure. We know it right after we cut a show. Huh. And and the last, I don't think we said it on the last show, but let, what was it a couple episodes ago? Robert, you and I, we were done. You said your goodbyes. And we said, we nailed that one. That was yeah. it. And we were just, we didn't have any hesitation. And I'll be honest with you, Jay. I mean, you know that there's a, there's a corporate side to the business. There's been a corporate side to the business when we were launching Content Marketing World, Content Marketing Institute, there's certain things that I wanted to say about certain vendors and certain people and whatever that I just didn't say for obvious reasons. And we're well, Joe, getting- special treat. We have those people here today. <laughs> Joe, thank <laughs> God. Let's go through it down the line. But we're now in a really good place. I think both of us are going into 2021 where you know, we, we can be free to say whatever we want and to laugh what we want to laugh at and to talk about who we want to talk about and to make crazy, uh, come up with crazy theories and things that might happen and not have to worry about somebody not sponsoring the show. 
or somebody getting mad and calling so-and-so. And And those are the little things. And everybody gets that, right? If you're in a business, all those things happen. You have politics in a business. Well, we're in a good spot. We don't really have that going on into 2021. And I think that that's an advantage that we can really lean into. You're on step 250 something of this this show in particular, not to mention Joe and Robert have each had other podcasts and other performance-based things. And so you have the reps to sense it. You have a, you both have finely honed taste and intuition around this. So when you finish recording, you're like, we nailed it. Um, Robert, on three clips, well, you told we me that took about 35 episodes of the show. <laughs> yeah. You're like, it didn't happen right away, Jay. Yeah. We, we may be wrong, by the way. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're often wrong. We probably but... are. We probably are wrong. <laughs> yeah. let's, uh, let's move ahead to the format. Really quickly, I want to touch on the format. Obviously, people are familiar with the rundown, the show flow, you know, how you break things up, the main stories into smaller stories, rants and raves, etc. Um, I'm curious about your takes. When, you know, Robert, you'll summarize the story. And then Joe will, you'll hand it off to Joe. Joe will give that sort of media take and you give the marketing practitioner take. Those are kind of the roles that you embody, give or take. Um, I'm saying take too much while talking about the takes. Anyways, um, how much of your takes are planned out, scripted out, bulleted out versus in the moment? It varies quite a bit. Really? Um, yeah, it, it varies. What, what is true for all of it is that neither of us know um, the take, um, of the other person. Yeah. We will sometimes occasionally say to each other, Oh, I've got, Oh no, I have, I've got to take on that that story. Oh, you know, let me roll. Right. You know, and, 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 and other than that, we don't know what we're going to say, but, and I'll let Joe answer from his perspective. There are times when I, especially when I have a very distinct point of view on a particular, uh, story, I will write some of it out. I will to make sure that I remember to hit all the points that I want to hit. Um, I don't ever really script that part of the show, but I will sometimes outline what I want to say in advance uh, of that. Most of it, let's say in my particular instance, 70, 80, 85% of it is I've read the story, I comprehend the story. And I have a point of view on it, but I don't, I just sort of make it up as we go. It's, it's very fresh. Joe. Yeah. So I, just as I'm, you're watching me take notes, this is the same thing that I do during the podcast. I, I read all the articles. I take a eight and a half by 11 white sheet of paper and I'll list the top article. And then I'll, I'll basically say, do I have a big idea or an opportunity for a listener based on this piece of news? And I do probably in, to Robert's point, about half. And the other half, if there is anything interesting, just comes from what I listened to Robert say. And then I can say, that is the stupidest thing exactly. I have ever heard. But yeah, it, so there's so half of it is just the back and forth banter. And sometimes there's something valuable and sometimes there's not, but some of it is a, is a big idea. I mean, we got on that Apple Disney thing back in, two, I think, 2013-14, right? Almost yeah. from the start. And... That was something that, you know, we argued about incessantly and just became sort of a thing and part of the show. There are, there are a number of those things that, that have happened, but yeah. But the, but to your point, Jay, about the setup um, and how the show flows, I mean, Robert is totally in charge of that, but 
from the beginning when we had that first conversation by phone that we wanted to do a podcast, I thought this was PTI. This is pardon the interruption from ESPN. I always wanted to be like that. Yeah. I liked the back and forth. They they had four or five major topics, and then they had the the shotgun at the end, and that became our rants and raves section. And I still I still think that's a winning model. So we totally stole that model from ESPN. It's, it's crazy how transformative it is to understand that long form media has a structure, even if the listener or the audience can't detect it. Like, I, I love when you hear the, the big name interviewers, the Terry Grosses, the Kara Swishers, the Bill Simmonses say like, oh, we're going to touch on that a little bit later. Or I do want to bring up that point, you know, in, in a future section. It's like they're not introducing chapter by chapter the way uh, PTI does or the way this old marketing brings you along, but they still have a plan underneath it all. Yeah. And I remember sitting down, I've mentioned Bourdain before I, I, on this this uh, recording. I remember sitting down early in like my podcast career and I was trying to do a narrative style, almost documentary style show at the time. And I was just like, I took a notebook and I wrote down like the block for block, like what does a Bourdain story do? And it wasn't like go to Mexico. It was like meet a local and learn what it's like to live there. Next block, meet a guide and, and analyze what's happening underneath the locals' reality. Like then it's like mess with reality, you know, do something out of the box you didn't expect from that location. So he had this like underlying plan and it, you know, he played with it. It wasn't the same every episode. But every experience, creative experience, I think, is better when you actually have a plan inside the episode, inside the part that doesn't look like it should have a plan, including if you interview guests. Because a lot of people here might have shows where they're like, oh yeah, I do an intro. I have theme music. I tee up the guest. Then it's 40 minutes of talking to the guest without a plan. And I'm like, right there, you need your plan. Right. You need the plan about everything. And I'll tell you, you know, we were talking about before this little show started, just about our pet peeves on certain things. When I am interviewed by another podcaster and I said, well, I always ask, how long is your show? And they, they'll say, well, it, it depends on you. you. We could go 25 minutes and it could be an hour. And I'm already... Like I want to leave and get out as, as soon right. as I can. Yeah. Because <laughs> what kind of plan is that? Right. So and that's it's about everything. So you're basically saying, look, if you if you create um create the walls, totally. you can be creative within the walls, but don't go outside of this. Yeah. It's that consistency that builds the audience. Exactly. Constraints breed creativity. Every scientific study on yep. creativity shows this. Constraints yep. are good for creativity. It's yep. just that we don't agree on the constraints, and that's why we want freedom. <laughs> Well, it also, it helps you, you know, I mean, just at its most tactical level, you know, what Joe is talking about is it, is it, is it inst instinctively gives you how long you should speak for. Right. You know, when I, and I ask the exact same question, whenever I'm a guest on a, on a podcast, I'll ask the exact, how long is this interview going to go for? I often get the same response, right? Oh, you know, kind of depends on our conversation. If it's going really well, then it'll go long. And if it's not going very well, it'll go short. And I'm like, no, it's me. It's going to go amazing. I mean, you know, so yeah. first of all, but the thing, the thing is, the reason I ask that question is if, if it's a 20 minute interview, my answer is going to be really short, sweet to make sure that the flow of questions and the flow of show goes well in 20 minutes. If it's an hour, you know, I might, take a minute or two to answer a particular question because I, you know, you've got the breathing room and the space to, to, to do that, you know, and that's the, the, you know, knowing where those boundaries are before you start is such an incredibly important part because it helps you develop the pace, the cadence and, and, and how you 
flow with everything um, as, as part of it. And it's what makes for a good show. There's a really simple golden rule of audio, which is get them to the end. Yeah. That's it. And if you're not paranoid about them hitting stop, because you got them to hit play, what an achievement, really. Now you have to be paranoid that they're going to hit stop. And so right. every beat that goes by introducing some drama, some tension, some silence, a question that challenges, albeit tactfully, like all these things. And those are small tactics. Then you roll it up to the bigger strategy of the episode, which is how do you format it? Exactly. This block is for this purpose. Why? Because then we want to get you to the next block, which is for that purpose. So we can get you to the end. Um, but in the interest of getting people to the end of this episode, let's move on to talking about, <laughs> they call that a segue in the biz. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh-huh. You're such a pro. Uh, no. Amateur and proud. Uh, <laughs> let's go to the talent section. So we've talked about it a little bit, but you talked about your you know, reps that you've put in. We've talked about the performance. We've talked about the different perspectives you each bring and how that complements Joe from the media, media acquisition business side and Robert from the marketing practitioner side. One of the things I wanted to ask you, because I genuinely don't know the answer, no matter, I mean, I've known both of you for years now, which is when you talk about performance and putting in the reps, this is a performance, right? It's not just you two talking. Joe, I know you said it just feels like you two talking, but like you've all, you've both done so many speeches, lots of articles, lots of public appearances, guest appearances elsewhere. Great shows are a performance. When I say that to both of you, what goes through your mind? Like talk to me about the value and the importance of treating your show like it is a performance and what that even means for folks that are unfamiliar. It's about talking about interesting things. I mean, honestly, it's, I mean, you know, so uh, Sally Hogshead said this once and I, I thought it was great advice. Um, she's a speaker, uh, author, um, a wonderful speaker. And what she said was it, it, when you're on stage or when you're, when you're giving that performance, it's not about being someone other than you. It's about being the most you you can be. Beautiful. And, and I think that's the, that's the real key. So it's, it's not that we're being someone else when we, do the show, but it's about being a little more of us in the moment than we would normally be in it. You know, I mean, my wife gives me hell because, you know, my voice on this show is different than I speak. You know, she calls it my radio voice and it's, and it's, it's a little different. It's a little different than how I speak in, you know, normal, quiet, conversations, mm -hmm. I'm a little more animated as I speak a little faster, I'm, I'm performing. And that comes from certainly the, the work that you do on stage. And it certainly comes from the work that you do, even in small environments, like working with clients at the foot of a table, it, you know, or, you know, e even in conversation with one-on-one -on -one people at a conference, all of that is a performance at some level. And I think what you have to do is find your comfort. You know, my friend Mike Weiss says it, it it's about you know, using your juice, right? Finding whatever it is about you that really sort of magnifies that and finding it and being comfortable with it and, and sort of using it to your advantage. There's a, you can draw a spectrum. You can visualize this because I'm, I'm struck by when you said talking to your wife is very different than obviously talking to you uh, right now. And my wife, oh, same she'd thing. say she it's has, very, very different. Yeah. yeah like my wife has not listened yeah. to my shows. She doesn't, she didn't watch my documentary. Right. Like she does not right. watch or listen to myself. And I get it because it's just to her, it's not who I am, but you can, you can visualize this. Like if, if on the left side of the spectrum, there's dramatic acting, 
like over the top, like Shakespeare in the park playing to the back of the audience. Oh, playing a character. Yeah. Playing a character. Then you have on the other end of the spectrum is the way you normally sound to your loved ones day to day, which if you recorded it, you would listen to it and be like, oh, I sound kind of bored. I sound a little bit right. like when you're talking about what to make for dinner, that same tone should not be what gets through on the microphone. And what I found as a performer is if you want to find the sweet spot, especially early on in your career, you have to sort of play it a little bit bigger in the moment than you think you need to. Because when you listen to the tape, you actually sound good. So in the moment, you're like, wow, I'm really amping up my voice here. Not volume wise, but like performance wise. Then you listen back and you're like, oh, actually, that sounds okay. Because if you do the opposite, which is speak what sounds natural early on in your performative career, then you listen, you'll sound bored. So you always go a little bit further than you think you need to. And I think that's where you find you sound great to the audience. Yeah. And you find that over time, right? You, You don't, it's not an immediate thing. You find that, you know, that is... That is the, you know, I mean, I know it's been largely debunked, but, but you know, that is your 10,000 hours, right? That you yeah, find that yeah. after doing it and doing it and doing it. it Joe, also, you're someone, go ahead. Go ahead Joe. I was going to say, it also helps to be a speaker because as you start public speaking and then you, hopefully you get the opportunity to watch yourself and somebody videotaped it. Well, the first time you do, you realize that what you thought were big gestures and big movements were very small. Amen. It didn't make any impact. And then you realize when you go on stage, you need to do the big gesture and you need to walk for four yards to the right and four to the left and not so small and those types of things. And the same thing happens with radio and the same thing happens with literally every other kind of content. You have to take what you're good at and then take it to the next level, take it to 11 as they do in Spinal Tap. Um, But you don't, that's not a nat- necessarily a natural thing to do unless for me, you're at the kitchen table talking to your sons. <laughs> I go right into that spot where I go into, I go into lecture mode and they'll say, you know, dad, you're not on a podcast right now. There it is. You don't <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do that. I have a two-year-old who's recently discovered she loves the movie Sing, which for those unacquainted was animated animals having a singing competition. And they sing like decent adult songs, like Elton John songs. Like, you know, it's not it's not like the same Disney songs or made up songs. It's like, okay, I would listen to this if it wasn't from a pig, but sure, I'll listen to the pig (laughs) version. And we got her like a microphone, plastic microphone. And she does all these like head nods and she closes her eyes and she like really over animates like the movements and stuff. She's two. And I'm like, oh, good God, she's me. <laughs> like being a ham when you're young, as, as I was and as my daughter, it really does help in this line of work that we do. It I got to say, does. so ham it up, y'all. That's the message. Exactly. Ham it up, y'all. All right, let's move on to the community section. There, there is a big audience to the show. What do you hear when you give strong takes where you're leaving little room for the other side? Like, I, I want to know what people don't see you know, they might have an opinion and maybe they're not the ones that tweet you or email you. What are the responses you're getting? Because you're both so passionate and opinionated publicly. Well, you know, I'll say this, Uh, you know, for listeners at home, I just want you to know, uh, both of them just took giant swigs of whiskey. Yeah. (laughs) Really quick. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll say it like this. The things that you think are going to be provocative are are usually not. And the things that you don't think are going to be provocative usually are. Um, Do you have an example? The sports thing. You know, who would figure, right? It's the thing that we probably get the most 
comments about. Um, and the, 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 the hard takes that we take on a, you know, we've gotten a couple of notes, um, in the past, you know, we typically don't get into politics at all. Um, but it's been hard not to this year, um, at least get in or you know, over the last four years, it's been a little difficult to not delve somewhat into the ridiculousness, um, that has been the last four years. And so, wait, what happened? Yeah, it's, um, Wait, what? I, I'm, I, I well, hate to break it to you, but it's been a little bit of a freak show. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I've been under my pillow the entire time. Not, no, I don't know. You know, I've, you Good know, you. I've got news for you, my friend. Uh, it, was it a my pillow? Because, you know, that's. that's <laughs> oh, the, and that ruined it. Too. Oh, wow. Go, it, right? Is no corner safe? Yeah. <laughs> so that will sometimes elicit a comment or two or yeah. an email or a tweet or something like that. But. <clears throat> Generally speaking, I don't think in large part, and Joe, you tell me if you disagree, but in large part, I, there's, there's not a lot we take that provocative a stance on, right? I, I don't see us as really that sort of, you know, we're not Joe Rogan, right? And, and, and I don't see us really eliciting that kind of discussion, especially because of the things we typically geek out over, which is media, marketing, and business. You know, there's not a lot of people who have passionate dislike for what we do. No, I, I would agree with, with Robert. I mean, every once in a while, I mean, I've said a couple things like if, if you're not thinking about acquiring uh, media properties or content properties and you're a CMO, you're, you're probably an idiot. I mean, I've said a couple things <laughs> like that. And they're like, you don't have to do that. I said, if I didn't say you had to. I said, if you're not thinking about it, you're missing something. You're missing an opportunity. I don't get it. You know, and then Robert's talked about, you know, if you, you know, every successful innovative company out there should have a content marketing strategy and you'll get people to come back and say, you don't need a content marketing strategy. So we didn't, he didn't say that. You don't have to have one. He said every innovative company out there has a content marketing. So those types of things, but it doesn't yeah. get to the craziest things are probably about football, the Apple versus Disney thing. And that sometimes, you know, people think I carry the show and, you know, well, there is that. There is that. I will tell you though, here's the, here's the, here's the thing that you may be going for um, that I think is more common, which is how intimate this medium really is mm -hmm. That's because Joe and I tend to talk about other things as part of our, our banter, um, you know, our families, you know, our favorite sports teams, you know, those kinds of things having people tweet us and or in, you know, in the before times um, when we actually went to conferences, having people come up and really know me, right. You know, and say, Oh, how's your wife doing? Or, you know, how's your dog doing? Or those kinds of things, because we talked about it on the podcast. Those are very eye opening, wonderful, by the way, wonderfully and heartwarming and, and all of that, but it's a very intimate medium. But this and, and many people listening are are sensing that if they have shows or or want to if they want a show and maybe they're facing the lack of buy-in internally and to them i'd say document these moments capture these like mini yeah. case studies of people saying stuff to you it is shocking how big a number an executive needs to say yes but how few passionate responses they need to say yeah. yes to that same great thing. point it's great. If point. you no, it's it's you hit on some both of you hit on something. If you asked me what's the most powerful medium today, it's audio, it's podcasting, it's audio. And when we started this podcast in 2013, whenever 
we would go to conferences. I'd go do a keynote speech. I'd do a workshop. People would come up to me and say, oh, Joe, I love the Content Marketing Institute blog. Joe, I, you know, I love your newsletter. Joe, I loved your last book. Three months after we started this old marketing, that was gone. It was all the podcast. It's always the podcast. That That's when, so six months after we started, I was a true believer. I'm like, I've never seen something switch so fast. So either all the other stuff that I'm doing is horrible now, no. <laughs> or this podcasting thing is really something else. <laughs> So this when is that, when, the jury's out on that one. Yeah, yeah. I think this, this is when the thing may take off. I think yeah. it. I think. Uh, I think it's. I, I think it, it. It might just become a trend. <laughs> that's when when Joe is like, maybe the rest of my stuff is bad. That's when, as as someone who hosts a lot of shows, I'm like, oh, I actually, I know now. I don't need to acknowledge what he just said. I could just move on to the next question, and no one will notice. Yeah. <laughs> By the way incredibly difficult thing like to my fellow podcast people out there i just want to give a shout out to those of you who realize you don't have to say awesome or got it after someone speaks you can just move on and it's That's a great right. experience for the listener so let's just awesome. move on even that is awesome yeah. got it got it nice comment that was my that was my tick it was got it uh final question when we talk about community and then we'll move on to rants and raves how over the years has your listenership changed and how has that changed your show I don't know that it has changed. It's gotten bigger. Um, it's uh, aren't you so special? You know. Um, well, I mean, you know, good lord, doing this for seven years—you'd hope so. I mean, you know, I mean, if, if it wasn't getting bigger, I don't know that we would continue doing it necessarily. Well, I might be doing something wrong in my you career, know? so we'll talk after Robert. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, look, the data uh, problem in podcasting is well documented. Um, in terms of knowing who your audience is, knowing what they care about, knowing who they are, all of that. Somebody hopefully will start to sort some of that out in the future. Um, but I think overall, the listenership, other than becoming, you know, we have a lot more international listeners than we used to. Uh, for, and as it got bigger, that was, um, that was a nice trend. Um, and, and honestly, we've never looked at... Uh, other than, and we talked a little bit about this on our on on the behind the scenes on on your show. Other than making a fairly significant pivot around episode, I think it was thirty five or forty, and that's when we introduced you know some new segments to the show. Um, we sort of made a, a fairly significant pivot, and then the significant pivot that we made just in the bringing when we brought the show back. We've never really made any really substantive changes to the format of the show based on comments or listenership demographic change or or anything like that. We've always said we're going to make the show we want to make, and hopefully people will like it. That's Jim? true. Yeah. the The biggest thing that I've seen over the years is just more of the community willing to tell us what they think, which is great. There's yeah, we hear a lot more on Twitter. I get a lot more emails. From people, uh, mostly it's good. Mostly it's thing. It's articles. It's great. I mean, yeah, we don't really have to do a lot of work for <laughs> for articles. We get a lot of people sharing information, which is fantastic. Get a lot. Of, we get a lot of people tagging the you know using the this old marketing yeah. hashtag and saying saw this, saw that. I, literally, we'd have three or four shows a week, easy because of all the content that people tag. So that that's the great thing. People feel more a part of it. We throw out a little, hey, you know. Thanks to 
Hat tip to yeah. hat tip to this person and that person, and you know we've we've got a core group of about twenty to thirty that really are all in on this thing. It's it's fantastic. We it's like we've known them forever, and we can joke with them, and you know it's all good. It's perfect. Well, all right. To quote a serious serious podcast legend, well, all right, everybody. <laughs> it's time to move on to your favorite section of the show which is where Joe and Robert go on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave, which is never really that little because neither of them talk that quickly, which means we're running way over time uh, on this show. So let's head funny. into rants and raves. Thank you. Appreciate good. it. Hat tip to both of you. Yeah. Uh, here's Got how it. we're going to do the rants and raves remixed. We've been talking about the behind the scenes of making your show. This is becoming such an approach, which is to make original series, developing IP, which have extensions, but start out with an original show. And I've picked out two shows um, that I wanted to present to both of you and, and have you go out on your rants and raves. And uh, after this section, as a tease for everybody listening, we're, Robert and Joe are going to share what's coming up on the show because there are some changes afoot, which I'm really excited about. I got a tease of it up front before we hit record. So that's the very last thing we'll touch on. But for now, rants and raves. Uh, I'd love to talk about these two branded podcasts specifically. So let me tee up the first one. This one is from Square. I'll withhold the name for a moment. This is strategic. So Square, the the uh, fintech company, you know, the micropayments, so all all kinds of good stuff. Helmed by Jack Dorsey, CEO of Square, also part time CEO of Twitter. That's a rant and rave for a different day, different show. Um, Square has a, a podcast that essentially is focused on their customers, small businesses, and all the challenges they face. Now, the name of the show is Talking Squarely. The name of the show is Talking Squarely. According to a press release on Business Wire, this show follows the changes and challenges facing businesses today. <laughs> I don't, I, I, the reason I'm struggling to come up with things to say other than that, to like give it more of a clear visual in people's minds is because Square did not give me any of it publicly. So I tip my hand there. I would, I'm, I would love for somebody to rant on this show. But when I talk about Square doing a show, interviewing small business people about their small business challenges, and it's named Talking Squarely, Robert, you seem to have an opinion already. <laughs> well, you know, let's just say that there's, there's missed opportunity. Um, or it seems I have not listened to the show, so it's very hard for me to to comment on the actual content of the show itself. But it, it strikes me that you know one of the one of the things that is it is most difficult and most important if you're going to do a content marketing oriented podcast, one that is meant to further your business, is to actually develop a specific point of view and 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 bring it honestly and transparently and authentically right it is not just to you know here i'll give you an example the classic case study right which is kind of what this is right you know every every week we'll present an example of a customer who's killing it in small business right and i suspect this is you know their their angle is to make small businesses a hero right you know so here's Jane and her donut shop and how she's making amazing donuts and all of the wonderful things that she's doing to do that. 
And the, the key to that, in my mind, is what we typically miss in the classic case study is here's the customer, here's the company, They're, they had a challenge. And then it was magically solved and it was all <laughs> unicorns and, and donuts and magic cakes and everything was happy again. We miss that tension. We miss the challenge the, because in business, in marketing, we're so scared of the dark side. We're so scared of tension and, and conflict that we're really reticent to put it into the content. And anybody volunteering to be an interviewee on that show doesn't want to be seen in a light that says, I struggled and I'm having troubles and, and all of that. They want to be seen as the cool, awesome you know, superhero of small business. So I suspect the challenge with that is, what's the point? Like, wh why, why do I care, right? That's, the, that's ultimately, you know, yeah, great for her. She did successful things. I'm struggling. And, and what we yeah. want to see is, our, we want to see ourselves in the hero. And that's what I suspect this is missing. There's no story if there's right. no tension. All story is, is introducing tension, that's letting right. people wallow in it for quite a while, and then resolving it at the end, right? That's but what right. we do is we introduce it quickly and early, and then we spend all of our time on the other side of tension in our content, which makes it utterly forgettable and, and flat. That's literally no arc, right? The narrative arc. There is no arc, so the content is flat um, when we do that. Talking squarely Joe, sounds square. Hey, Joe, <laughs> any take on this show? Uh, well, Robert, uh, Robert took all my time. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> what else is here? <laughs> welcome, welcome uh, to the show, my friend. Where have you been? From what you from what you said, Jay, it's it's broad enough that nobody will ever remember. If I it, I mean I still do this. I mean I've been in media for twenty years. I used to sit in all these editorial meetings. These editors took their editorial mission statements really seriously. They said, "Can we be the leading informational expert in that?" niche or that niche. And that was their goal. They were trying to be the best resource for their audience. If, if this is so broad from an audience, a delivery and an outcome standpoint, I mean, who knows, there's probably more, but I'm just going by what you told me that they're probably competing against 2000 minimum mm. different properties trying to do the same thing. Right. So what is Square going to do to break out of the pack and break out of all that clutter? Probably nothing. Right. Certainly not the title of the show. No. <laughs> so, so that's it. And I love Square. I think Square is a great company. But you know what that tells me? Talking, was it talking squarely? Sounds like a campaign. Sounds like a short-term thing. We're going to do, we're going to try this for six months, seven months, right. see how it goes. Then we'll try Square the magazine. And then we'll try something <laughs> else, right? Instead of saying to start this, little conversation. How are we going to build some IP that's mm. going to make our audience more successful, that's going to drive our business into the future? Don't create some content. Don't create a bunch of episodes. Create IP. And yes. the world doesn't need yet another show about small businesses overcoming challenges, generically. Crickets, yes. I mean, if you white label this, how will you know it's square? You don't. Right. Um, that's it. Also the, also like the name. Me, yeah. and, and I've got nothing, I've got nothing against MailChimp, but it's almost like MailChimp presents. MailChimp presents is definitely something that I want to tune into. <laughs> MailChimp is also presenting everything lately. They have a billion different shows, none of which have any audience development going on around it. I know I'm on the email list and I get like one email every quarter being oh, we, like, we well, launched more stuff. We've talked about that on the show quite a bit. I, and I said, I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't want them to fail, but they'll fail. 
because you don't launch 22 shows at the same time against the wall and see what sticks. Nothing sticks when you do it that way. Almost every show, especially from large brands, would benefit if the idea, not necessarily what they have to talk about all the time in the episodes, but the idea and the premise was more specific. So simple. Um, Let's move on to the other show. So this, I want to go take you on the other end of the spectrum. Smaller company, much more specific idea, speaking about developing IP. Um, This was uh, the brainchild of a bunch of people, but it's being helmed, uh, the strategy anyway, um, by Kyle Lacey, former exact target marketer, now CMO of this company, Lessonly. So Lessonly is learning and development software. If you want to train your sales team or customer support team, you use their platform. Uh, According to their um, then host, Ben, who left the company, but Ben told me they have an estimated 800 competitors in North America alone, all of whom do content the same way. They talk to executives and thought leaders in sales and customer support about how to do those jobs well. Lessonly comes along and they look at their customer data and they say, okay, we have this big product suite feature called practice on this platform. Our most successful customers use those tools. They also are more lucrative for the business and also easier to acquire when they market according to that word practice for sales and customer support. So instead of generically interviewing a bunch of experts in the field, a la Square and many other business shows, Lessonly chose to launch practice first. The goal of practice first, according to the company, is to elevate the role of practice in these jobs by talking to world-class performers in any field, Olympians, sommeliers, and sure business people, about how they practice in their fields so you can practice better in yours. Because if you practice better, you do better work. Like to me, I'm lighting up because I'm like, there's IP, there's one idea they can own and there's endless extensions off of that idea. Yeah. When you hear that description, what goes through your mind as an analyst of great content? Well, I, I love the concept. I, of course, want a little bit more detail on the audience. It sounds like it might be there. It sounds like it might be something. I mean, let's go back to what we I was just railing on Square about. It could you be the leading experts in the world about this particular topic, depending on how you're gonna go at it, and can you build assets from it? It sounds like that's a possibility there. So they're off to a great start. So if they delivered on a consistent basis so with, with all the stuff that we just talked about throughout this <laughs> whole show, then yeah, then I think they might have something. And thankfully they don't, it's not called, you know lessonly practice or something, (laughs) something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it, at first blush, this looks really great. Um, I'm struck by the fact that they, it says in the, on the landing page, they almost called the podcast learners first. Um, but they didn't. Um, and they actually really built it around this function with, you know, rather than the form of the company, which is, I love, I also love how they've sort of organized all of the episodes in a season and they sort of, it looks like they have a bit of an arc to the actual season. So it looks like they they actually think about that in advance. I also love, and Joe, you'll love this. When I look at this um, landing page here, they actually looks like they use the podcast as a as an each season to sort of drive people to a newsletter subscription, um, yep. and actually building in sort of what you get sort of as a continuous feed of newsletters um, in, into each of the lessons. So mm-hmm. they've it's it, it looks very well put together. Yeah, you're on the right track with both of those things. I talked to the team and, you know, season one was exploring this idea of practice. Like all they wanted was signal. It's like yep. if you have a metal detector on the beach, you just want the beep and say, okay, I'll invest more of my resources now digging down deep here because I got the beep. So season one, they got the beep. Season two, they're digging into coaching. 
So that's yep. the, that's the theme of beautiful of practice, right? So still talk to some sales coaches, play the long game, talk to other coaches too, right? And and they'll own the idea of practice in the minds of their customers and prospects. Um, yeah. And I love that it started with customer data too yeah. and product data. It didn't just start with, eh, this would be cool in a boardroom somewhere. It's like, no, no, no. People are really jonesing to learn how to practice. And look, it shows up in our customer data. People adopt these tools. Um, the last thing I want to say, which is a little bit hidden, but they've started to promote this new research report. So they partnered with a community, a national community group called the Revenue Collective, which is for sales and marketing executives. And they did a research report called uh, Practice Equals Revenue. So they're already starting to take the IP and extend it to different properties to further own the theme, which I think is the goal of developing a show and any really big meaty project like this. Um, so, okay. So we've talked about your show. We've talked about the ins and outs of making it and the IP you're developing and the process. Um, I think one of the things I fail to mention in breaking it down across these categories is the importance of reinvention. Because when you do anything consistently, you even get sick of your own same playbook, <laughs> same jokes. Robert's like, Joe, really? Again, Joe, Disney and Apple, really? Again? So you're always looking for new things to explore to keep it fresh, not only because you'll check out, because the audience will too. So you are both planning some reinventions for this show. Um, Robert, what's the common 2021? I'm sorry. I checked out of what you said about like five <laughs> minutes ago. Can you, um, you checked you out 30 questions. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm the one that's new here. Come on. Yeah. I'm not hosting yeah. it by the way. This is a one-time deal. <laughs> I'm out of here, but you, 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 the listeners are stuck with you two. So what are you yeah. two going to do to keep them interested? Are, Cause it's not going to be bringing me back. That is right. That is right. Well, yeah, this is usually the part of the show where we say what's, you know, what's coming up next, right? Where are you going, Joe? What are you doing? Um, we're going to spend the weekend doing something and yet yeah, we are excited. Um, we are, you know, we're not making major changes um, for 2021, but we are doing some important tweaks uh, to the show um, as we, you know, as we enter into 2021 and, 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 and put a little bit of uh, emphasis on the show, as it were, um, we are going to go back to weekly. Um, so if you're enjoying the show, uh, you'll get to enjoy twice as much. Um, if you don't enjoy the show, well, I'm really sorry for that. Um, Why are you still listening? Yeah, you're not listening. It doesn't hate. matter if you don't enjoy the show. Just get That's the heck right. out of here. Um, we are going to be widening out some of the things that we talk about. You know, that doesn't mean a huge format change in terms of what we're going to be covering. Um, but we are going to be covering more of much of what we talked about in, in, in this episode, actually, media, the convergence of media and business strategy and some of the higher level, bigger trends that are happening in the industry. Uh, we're also going to be talking about entrepreneurs and content. Um, you know, Joe talks a lot about this in his book, Content Inc. Um, you know, and how entrepreneurs are usually the building an audience first and then monetizing that audience with a product or service. We're going to talk a lot more about that. Um, Joe mentioned earlier in this episode, the idea of, you know, leaning a little more into having the freedom to talk about what we want to talk about, um, which is also going to be, so if you're, if you like, um, the way we talk about stuff and, uh, I think you'll, I think you'll really enjoy that. So not a lot in terms of the format, it's still going to be the two chuckleheads that you've got here, um, talking about stuff and, but hopefully, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a bit of a different, package as it were and more of it more of you know we're, we're excited to get back to weekly um again and uh, and really take this show um to another level so we're we're, we're pumped and ready for 2021 it's going to be a good year my my only take on that 
is I don't believe, and this is for anybody podcasting out there. I don't believe you can grow a podcast that's every other week. I do not believe it. I think if you want to grow a podcast, you have to be at least weekly on a consistent basis. Yep. The I think numbers, that's true. We've seen some of those. We've seen the data on some of that. Yeah. The numbers will absolutely bear that out. I do multiple podcasts. I can see the numbers at hand. The weeklies work. The every other week doesn't. You need that weekly reminder. Sometimes if they're, you know, you do, they listen to one, you're not on the next week and you might've lost them forever. Yep. It's important. Well, to the both of you, first of all, I want to say thank you sincerely without the snark for having me on your show. Uh, this many episodes in to be the first external voice that came on the show. I mean, that's that's pretty wild. So thank you so much for having I'm me. I'm sorry. What was program. your name again? Uh, Bill Bradley. There you go. There you yes. go. Thank you. Bill Brash. <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. Bill Brash, the finest salesperson in the office. Uh, see, I can hang with Statler and Waldorf. I don't know if there's a third character up in the balcony with the Muppet movie coming up. I don't know. Maybe we add one. I think, we've Who's got, younger? I think right away we've got some diversity problems here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, look, I'm seeing some bald, long hair. I got more of the gelled full head of hair. So that doesn't go. count. No? Okay. Well, I'll see you guys on a different show because this is my last time coming on this one. <laughs> um, to both of you, I do want to end by saying I am not alone in feeling this way and having uh, experienced the uh, ideas that you have, the generosity of your time that you've been giving so many people in this community. I am alone in being able to tell you directly on this podcast. So on behalf of all those people who are thinking it, I just want to say thank you for supporting me. Thank you for supporting the ideas and aspirations of my career over the years. And I know, I know so many people listening to this right now feel the exact same way every episode of the show and well beyond. I mean, if my gosh, if we're talking about IP and IP extensions, the extensions of what goes on in this show very authentically happens whenever you go into your email inboxes, onto social media, to events, onto phone calls and Zoom calls. I mean, you are doing what you're doing on this show individually for thousands and thousands of people in this industry. So I just wanted to end by saying thank you on behalf of them and thank you personally because I am way better for it. You're very kind, my friend. And you thank you so much for doing this. This has uh, truly been a, a wonderful way to end the year um, and, uh, and truly a wonderful way to introduce um, a new chapter for, for all of us. So thank you for all of your support. And ladies and gentlemen, that is it. That is it for episode number 252. And if you like this episode, because it's the only one of its kind, it's that special blossom episode, the <laughs> saved by the bell episode of this old marketing, do hashtag us up, won't you? This show, of course, like all the other shows, will be on our show notes page and we'll have all of the wonderful links to the nothing that we actually link to other than maybe the podcast that... Uh, uh, that Jay mentioned um, earlier so that you can hate on one and love on the other. Um, <laughs> other than that, we will hopefully have you see yourselves a wonderful new year. And of course, we will see you in the new year as well. And until that time when we meet again, remember everybody, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next time on This Old Marketing.